till around two in the morning. I'm a student at the Ohio State University. They happen to be champions now, but anyway, I'm at the Ohio State University walking along and we spot uh, a guy sitting there. He's a big guy with a leather coat on, studs around his neck, studs around his wrists, and he does not know that we are out hunting. I'm with my friend, and I'm training him to hunt. Now, we don't have guns, but we have Jesus. And we are going hunting with Jesus for unsuspecting prey. And we find this guy, and he looks like the kind of guy that we should hunt now. So I came up, completely trained, ready for this moment, and said, would you consider yourself a spiritual person? <laughs> he said, what? He says he's smoking a cigarette. I said, would you consider yourself a spiritual person? And he said, what, what are you talking about? I said, do you have a life with God? See, I've been trained to do this. I'd read some books. See, my, my life with, with Jesus was so impactful for me that I, I really wanted to figure out how to tell other people about it. And, and, and my experience was so bizarre and strange, I figured I had to learn from someone else how to do it. So I read a bunch of books, and I learned some little tricks. And it worked. We drew him in. And he said, well, how could you even believe that there's like a God when there's so much pain in the world? And I went, ooh, problem of pain file. <laughs> Got that one. And I start saying a few C.S. Lewis things and pull out some, some Leibniz. Any philosophy people here impressed? There's one of you. See, that's, there's always one. That's, there's only one. And I pulled out some philosophical arguments, and next thing I know, I have got a well-drawn-out, long dialogue where I am slowly dismantling his problem of pain. So he moved on. And he said, well, I mean, if that's your truth, great. I mean, you're allowed to believe whatever you want, but I have a different truth. And I said, oh, so you think there's different truths? He said, yeah, whatever makes you feel good. You just live your life. And I said, oh, man, that is so liberating. I didn't know that was true in my most condescending tone I could muster. I, I didn't know that was true. I would like to try that on, like that I just do whatever I want because it's my truth. Um, I'm going to try that on. I've always thought to myself, I would enjoy urinating on another human being. And I stood up as he sat on the stoop and unzipped my pants. He stood to his feet. He was a lot taller than me. He said, if you pee on me, I will take your life. The level of intensity he demonstrated, I thought he was probably telling the truth, at which point I said, oh, wow, how strange, your philosophy doesn't work out. He said, no, 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 you can do whatever you want, whatever is true to you, as long as it doesn't, like, bother someone else. And I said, oh, man, I, you should have told me that rule sooner. This could have gotten really strange. Okay, I've been, uh, okay, great, let's try that on. I'll try that on for a minute. Here's the thing, you know, the studs around your neck, I find those horribly annoying. They bother me, like immensely. Take them off, now. He said, you can't tell me what to do. I said, you said that I can do whatever I want as long as I don't bother someone else. You're bothering me, so stop it. Take it off, now. He said, I'm not taking it off. I said, so your whole philosophy doesn't work. And after about an hour of arguing, and bit by bit dismantling every piece of this guy's paradigm, my young 
friend, Patrick, who I was training, standing there silently watching, and this guy who we've been talking to for an hour just kind of sheepishly said, uh, you know, I, I got to go. I said, okay, well, consider Jesus. And he walked away. We turned to go back to our dorm, and uh, I was feeling pretty good about myself. I just dismantled this guy bit by bit for an hour, and I turned to Patrick as we're walking back in the dark, and I said, wasn't that incredible? And he said, that might be the most terrible thing I have ever experienced in my entire life. <laughs> that was embarrassing. I am ashamed for having been here with you. And I said, what, what are you even talking about? He said, you brick by brick, piece by piece, dismantled that man. And you proved that you were smarter than him. I hope you feel good about yourself. But it was shameful what you did to him. And I am embarrassed that I was with you. I said, well, come on, don't be so weak. He was, he was, a, he was a jerk. We put him in his place. He said, no, that's not what happened. What happened there had nothing to do with Jesus I'm I am ashamed. And he said, I need some time alone. He just walked away. And as I was walking back to my dorm, I thought, Patrick's just weak. <laughs> that was what I tried to tell myself. And then by the time I got to the dorm, I was laying in bed, and it was quiet, and it was dark. I realized he's right. Something has gone horribly wrong. Though I know these things in my mind, there's something that I don't know in my heart. I'd lost somewhere in trying so hard to talk about Jesus. And I didn't know what had gone wrong, but I just knew something had gone wrong in that minute, like in that second. And that's true of so much of us when we get stuck in thinking that what it is to have life with God is something that just happens primarily in your mind and not in your heart. Uh, the knowing that the Scriptures teach about, the knowing that Jesus draws us into is a knowing of the whole of who we are, our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our relationships. Uh, Mary, uh, when she's told she's going to have the Christ child, she says this really strange phrase. She says, um, how can this be, for I have not known a man? She doesn't mean, what's a man? She doesn't say, I don't know about men. I don't think she's even saying, I don't know how babies come into the world. I think she's actually saying, I don't know a man. You know, you know, what, I mean? You know what I mean? If you, don't, if you don't know what I mean, just ask your neighbor later. I don't know a man. I've never known a man. Like, uh, Intimately in a way that would produce this. And when the scriptures talk, strangely, use the same word, you talk about knowing in an intimate, experiential way. And in this vein, when Jesus teaches, he does this strange thing called teaching parables, right? He, he tells these stories. You should try that as a, as a tactic, by the way. When someone asks you a really important question, just say, that's a really interesting question. I once knew a farmer and just start, and just watch what people do. And seriously, you should try it just once, just for fun. 
Uh, but, but, but he would do that. And, and many of us who were maybe raised in church were taught that Jesus would tell stories like this as a way of simplifying, you know, complex ideas and telling them in stories so that we might understand them. And you would believe that unless you actually read the way people experience the parables. They're continually looking at him saying, I'm sorry, what was that? We asked you a very specific question, and you gave us a very strange story. One place in Mark chapter 4, he finally, like, sort of gets to it with his disciples. He's just done the parable of the sower, and they say to him, what was that? Farmer and seed and different paths, and what, what just happened there? That didn't make any sense. And he said, oh, well, let me tell you why I talk in parables in general. I talk in parables, and there's a very good reason for this, and you can see them lean forward, you know, pencils out, ready to take notes, right? And he says, oh, because if I spoke clearly, they would see, and they would understand, and then they might be saved. Well, we wouldn't want that now, would we? <laughs> just in case you think I just made that up, it's worth looking at Mark chapter 4, and watching that. If they were not confused to begin with, how much more confused would they be after he says that? Jesus is saying, the way I'm communicating truth is different than the way that you tend to want it. I communicate truth in a way that demands your participation, that demands you engage this story with your life. You have a choice. You don't have to. But I'm not going to give you truths that you control. I will give you stories that put you in tension. Uh, that's what all the parables do. They tell these stories that represent God in a way that, that causes us problems. Uh, we, we can't make sense of it. The punchline doesn't deliver. Uh, the pressure mounts on who we're supposed to be and how we love and who God is. He doesn't fit the categories we want him to be in. And that kind of knowing is a knowing that transforms you. You become a different kind of person when you engage in the story and you try to live within it. That is what we get to do over these days. We hear stories that will compel us to become different kinds of people. If you listen, if you engage, we might become more like Jesus. Thank you.